Episode two, how I became a physician. So I was born and raised in Topeka, Kansas, and my mom was an RN. She still is an RN. She still works for 40 hours a week, at least, full-time, and she will be 77 this year, so I'm very proud of her. But she stayed home to be a stay-at-home mom when I was born, and she had worked full-time as a nurse after my brother was born, but then when I was born, she decided to stay home. For 16 years, she stayed home, but of course, she was still a nurse, and she nursed a lot of wonderful family and friends in our house, and I got to see her love and care for them. And she had nursing books, which I love to look at. And when people would come over with different complaints, she would sometimes get out those nursing books and look through them uh, to educate herself. And I would peek over her shoulder. I especially loved any of the pictures that were in those books. Um, So I saw how much people respected her as a nurse and how well she served her community because of her education and her compassion. And that really sparked my interest very early on to be in the medical field. And I knew from a very young age that I wanted to be a doctor. I did some what we called candy striping back then and literally had a red and white little apron thing that I wore at the hospital, which I think was Stormont Vale, actually, the hospital where I now work. And I wheeled people around in a wheelchair uh, from the emergency room, other places, but quickly I grew quite bored of that. And I told my dad one day when I got home, it was all fine and dandy, but I really wanted to be one of the doctors inside of the rooms because of course they would close the door for privacy. So I couldn't know what was going on, but I did pour over the medical records because they were all paper then, of course, and I had to file them. That wasn't on my job. So I was reading all of the medical reports that I was filing. Um, so I was just curious about medicine from an early age. Then I went to Baylor because they had a good pre-med program and um, it was very difficult, very, very difficult. Worked really hard, studied a ton. Um, I was able to make very good grades, but that's probably because I spent about six hours a day studying. And uh, But I did love it. I really did love it. But I wasn't sure maybe I should be a nurse or maybe I couldn't get into med school. I wasn't sure if I would be able to get in because I knew how competitive it was. And so I also did all my pre-nursing requisites, prerequisites, and actually had a full ride scholarship to the nursing school if I would have chosen that, but decided that I was going to study for and take my MCAT, the medical college admissions test. And if I did well, then I would pursue medicine. That's what I really wanted, but uh, to be a doctor, but I was kind of having a backup plan to make sure, because I still wanted to be in medicine no matter how I got in. Um, So I would have been a nurse, which would have been a wonderful career as well. But my mom said I didn't like to take orders, so I shouldn't be a nurse. (laughs) I should be a doctor. And both of my parents definitely really encouraged me. So I ended up doing well on the MCAT, and I had a good GPA, and got, surprisingly for me, a lot of interviews, such that I was actually turning down um, interviews by the end. And I got an interview at Dartmouth Med School, which is in New Hampshire. And that was absolutely my top choice. I loved it when I interviewed. People were amazing. I remember one of my interviewers, she was a dermatologist at Dartmouth, and she had on jeans and a sweater. 
and a dog behind her desk at work when she interviewed me. I was so impressed. She was very impressive on her resume, like when I Googled her or however I found out back then, but yet she um, did not act like it. In fact, that's what, when I read online about Dartmouth at the time, they said, there are very impressive people there, but don't come in acting like you're, you know, all that, like you're somebody because people are very humble there. And they were, absolutely. So uh, my dad actually came with me. He flew up with me and uh, we went up there together. We flew into Boston and drove up and absolutely was mesmerized. And he told me, you know, don't get your hopes up. (laughs) At that point, they had about 7,000 people that applied and they interviewed, um, and I almost want to think it was, it was a few hundred. I can't, I want to say 700, but it wasn't that many. And they took, I believe, 70. Some, it's kind of somewhere around in there. I think in our class, we ended up maybe having 46 or something when all was said and done. But anyway, so, you know, extremely competitive. And um, so my dad was trying to help me not get my hopes up, but I completely had my hopes up. And um, I was actually with Tom's family. We weren't even engaged yet. I was with, at his, with his family in Texas and um, some sort of holiday when I got the call on the old-fashioned phone um, that from my parents that I had received a letter that I was um, accepted at Dartmouth to the med school. And I was just on cl- absolutely cloud nine. And Tom, who was just my boyfriend at the time, um, was the one who really encouraged me, if you want to go to Dartmouth, you should go to Dartmouth. Because I also had gotten into some Texas med schools and KU med school. And so I could have gone, both the you know, the parents, his parents and my parents, they were all hoping that we would stay close in Kansas or Texas. But um, Tom encouraged me to go for it all the way up to New Hampshire border of Vermont. And I did. He proposed um, we graduated from Baylor. I started med school. We got married halfway through and he moved up to New Hampshire and we just had a wonderful time in med school. Then we really wanted to have children. And, um, so after med, we decided that for the residency, we wanted to either be by my parents or his parents because he wanted to get his master's in education. He was a teacher and, I was going to be in residency where that was before they had the laws that limited how many hours you can work a week. And, and it was about 100 to 120 hours a week at that point. Um, so we knew we were going to need help with any babies. So Topeka did not have a residency program at that time. Um, they had a family practice one at one point, but um, this was either before or after that, but I wasn't doing family practice anyway. But um, my, my in-laws lived in Lubbock, and Texas Tech was right there, and they had all kinds of programs. So I matched with internal medicine at Texas Tech, and we moved from beautiful, wintry, mountainous New Hampshire down to West Texas, where we lived through dust storms. And... Um, it was a very big change, but the people were absolutely amazing, and it was beautiful in its own accord. And we had, believe the, believe it or not, my first when I first started residency, I started in the ICU, and a female attending at that time who ended up becoming, you know, a friend, um, but she she was not married and she had no children, and she told us girls, us women residents in front of the male, male residents too, 
you women better all be on your birth control because we're not having any babies around here. <laughs> uh, so I promptly threw away my birth control and Tom and I got pregnant um, a couple months into internship, um, which was so much fun because we had been married over four years at that point and we just could not wait to start our family. So um, we, I was pregnant, a large percentage of my intern year, and Carter, just my, fir- my firstborn, he just went everywhere with me in my tummy. And um, it ended up being pretty beautiful experience. And um, so I had my first, at the very, my first child, the very beginning of my second year of residency. And then um, we actually had three miscarriages during residency, that was very painful and difficult. And uh, because the schedule was so rigorous, I really didn't have proper time to mourn. One of the miscarriages I literally was having like during rounding, um, very tragic. And then um, we were able to get pregnant with the next child, which was Ian. And um, actually I left when I graduated for internal medicine residency after three years pregnant with Ian. And um, to probably the dismay of my in-laws, we left um, Texas to go back east to Connecticut. Um, I decided that I did a rotation actually after Carter was born in endocrinology. And um, I just absolutely loved it. It was to me this amazing balance between the inpatient and outpatient world between acute care and chronic care, some, some, some things you kind of helped cure quickly and some you had them your entire career. Um, pretty equally split between men and women and starting 18 or actually, you know, we, I see patients younger than that, 13 or 14, um, all the way through elderly. So I, I just absolutely loved it. And it was very difficult for me to understand. It was super complicated. And one day in the emergency room, we had this very, very difficult case and all of these strange labs. And um, I was with the emergency medicine doc and we were just kind of scratching our heads like, what does this mean? What does this patient have? And an endocrinologist came by and and he asked him and he said, oh, you know, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is this, and that's what it is. And I was just like mouth open. Oh, I want to do that. So um, I was very impressed. And that also really helped sway me. Another time, there was a really difficult case in the ICU, and uh, the endocrinologist team was consulted, and they came through. And one of the other doctors said, oh, um, you know this is a very difficult case when endocrinology is called in. That's the thinking specialty. And so, and I am a thinker, I love to think. So a lot of things kind of got that ball rolling. But I also thought I would, I would stay an internal medicine physician. I could be a hospitalist, I could be a primary care doctor. And I thought about a lot of different subspecialties. I thought about cardiology, GI, um, oncology. But I decided I was going to apply for endocrinology only at the very top level programs in the country. And a handful of programs and... If I got into one of the top-level programs, then I would go to fellowship for endocrinology. And if I didn't get into one of those programs, then I would just stay in internal medicine and, and start off just being a, being a, not just, but being a hospitalist. And sure enough, I have no idea, really, I have no idea why Yale 
chose me. Because when I was interviewing, the other candidates at the time were incredibly impressive, all from Ivy League schools, and they all had we all had these badges on with our names, and it you know the you had your name, and then it had what school you were from. So you know Joe Schmo from Harvard, whatever, all of the different places. Mine says Susan Bryan under it said Texas Tech. Under that, in parentheses, it said Lubbock, Texas. Like none of the other places, schools had a location because you knew where those schools were from. Um, so, and the people that I, some of the people that I interviewed with were certainly arrogant about, you know, where they were from versus where I was from, or at least I perceived that. Um, anyway, I ended up getting it. They only accepted two fellows a year. So, um, Katie Page, who was from California, and she is back as a professor in California, and I started fellowship together. Um, and I was pregnant with Ian, and then uh, had Ian during my second, I don't know, first year of fellowship. And um, that was wonderful. We loved being back in Connecticut. Um, it was definitely a different experience um, than, than Texas or New Hampshire. We were close to New York City. We took the train in with the kids. Um, and... We certainly did not love the traffic, even 10 o'clock at night, all the heavy traffic. But that experience um, at Yale as a fellow, Silvio Nzuki was my mentor. He's like world known in diabetes. Um, That experience, I would do that. I would do those years of fellowship again and again and again. They were so life-changing to me in my career. I learned so much, but I think even more importantly than what I learned is I learned how to learn. I really learned to be a lifelong learner and fell completely in love with endocrinology, probably because of the extremely phenomenal endocrinologists at Yale that were my, my mentors, specifically Silvio and Zuki. Uh, also did benchside research with mice. Um, so got a lot of research experience at that time too. And then we got pregnant with our third um, while I was still breastfeeding Ian. We did want to have another, um, but it happened very quickly. And I was pregnant with Cameron during my last year of fellowship. And at that point, we were paying through the nose to have the boys in a Montessori Yale preschool, which was fantastic, but very expensive. Um, we took a, we were planning on staying. Yale had uh, offered me to stay in a position um, and we were considering it, but it was so expensive. Tom was commuting about 45 minutes to his uh, high school teaching and coaching job. We were back in Topeka, Kansas, my hometown for Christmas, and my mom, again the nurse, um, was friends with one of the bigwigs at Stormont, Kim Paulberg, and she helped take care of his mom at uh, the long care facility where my mom still works, and um, she wanted me to interview at Stormont. I said, Mom, I'm never coming back to Kansas to practice. I was arrogant by that time as well. And um, 
she said, well, just for me, will you please interview? Of course, I'm going to do anything for my mom. She's amazing. So I interviewed at Stormont, and I like to joke that it's the only time it benefited me in my career to be from Topeka, Kansas, because they were thrilled that I had been from, that I was from Topeka, and that I had trained elsewhere, and that I was potentially coming back. And Stormont really rolled out the red carpet for me and treated me very well. And I was also very impressed. Their endocrine group had trained at places like Mayo and the NIH. This is a good group of endocrinologists. And they had the electric EMR, the electronic medical record. None of the other places I had trained actually had the EMR yet. So I was like, wow, this Stormont is kind of forward thinking if they had, they were the first ones that I'd ever seen that had the EMR. So they definitely were early adopters of technology. So that was impressive. And, um, I just, I liked the people. I liked what they had to offer. I was impressed at their forward thinking. And so I left the day kind of surprised. Um, and then they gave me an offer, a job offer, and an amazing salary offer, and but which was great and nice, but I really wanted to work part-time. So I almost felt selfish for this, but I... Um, thought, well, gosh, you know, I didn't even really want to come to Dubuque, Kansas. I wasn't sure I wanted to do it in the first place, which is absolutely the best place to negotiate from when you have nothing uh, to lose. So I um, emailed back to Kent Palmberg. Um, well, thank you, you know, yada, yada. But I really was hoping to work part time and the contract was full time. And um, the other thing is I had learned from a mentor at Dartmouth, a female pediatric mentor, she was amazing, pediatrician mentor, um, about women and negotiating and how women are not, notoriously not good at negotiating. And, and she taught me how to negotiate, basically. And she also told me at that time, whenever you take a position, you should go in part-time. And she actually worked part-time. Um, because it's very hard to ever go from full-time to part-time. But in a, overnight, you could go from part-time to full-time. So if you ever wanted to go up to full-time, you can do it in a, in a blink of an eye, but very difficult to go the other way. So I also, I had that in my mind. So I told Kim Palmberg, you know, I was really hoping for part-time. And he said, well, what does that look like? We've never had a subspecialist work part-time. And so, which of course now tons of people do, but back then um, they hadn't. And so basically I wrote out my current, I've still, you know, I've been 16 years, um, still, I have this same schedule, basically, that I wrote out at that point. Um, and he said, okay. And he sent back the contract and took off just a tiny bit of money, gave me that part-time schedule. But on the first contract, it, it was for six weeks. And then the second contract was only for four weeks. So I talked to Silvio Nzuki, my mentor at Yale, and I said, oh, geez, you know, I hate to ask for anything else because this is super generous. And I still wasn't sure if I was going to do it or not. But uh, I asked him, but I really, the money isn't as important to me as the time. I really want time with my family. So um, I really want to ask for the six weeks back, but I feel really, you know, selfish doing that. And he was like, what are you talking about? You know, you're negotiating. That's not. So I wrote back to him, Hallmark, oh, thanks so much. But uh, I was really hoping it would be six weeks. He sent me back the same contract, except it was six weeks, didn't take off any money or anything else. And basically like gave me what exactly I wanted on a golden platter. Plus it was here with my family and we need, you know, it'd be great to have, be around family with our kids again. And, um, anyway, 
in the end, it was too sweet of a deal to pass up, and we agreed to it. Um, so that is a long story about how uh, my training and everything came to be. The last, the la- on the last note of that is that um, they did try to kind of talk me out at Yale of coming to Kansas to practice. And um, for all the wonderful, wonderful things, they felt like I would be um, going in a negative direction for my career if I did that. And I told them at the time, there are, you know, a thousand endocrinologists in the world, way more, more than that, but there's only one mom for my children. And I only have this little window of time where I get to be at home with them and see them until they're gone. And then they may not care if I don't, if I don't take care of this early time, they may not care to have a relationship with me in the later years. And so, um, it was very difficult decision because I loved the Ivy League experience and absolutely loved my time there. But in retrospect, I am so very grateful for coming to Kansas. I'm still here and practicing in Kansas. And I really could not imagine a more fulfilling career than what I have had here. I've seen amazing cases have been part of some fantastic research, developing programs. Uh, It's been extremely fulfilling. So that is episode two of how I got here. Hope you enjoyed.